Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop Soccer90.com for all your U.S. Soccer, FC Dallas, and North Texas Soccer Club gear. Everything you can want, jersey, scarves, tees, Soccer90 has what you need. Check out all the latest arrivals and gear at Soccer90.com. Use code Third Degree at checkout for 20% off your order. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 215, 205 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello, tis me, Peter. First, it is the man that was brave enough to come hang out during the Champions League final live broadcast, my good friend Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hello, Peter. Um, Just a quick thing. 215 is 215, not 205. Did I say 205? You did. It's very late. I was up very, very late last night. I have an excuse, and I got very little sleep, and I had jury duty today. No. Well, you can't party before jury duty. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, yeah, so I got up very early, went down, and it was an interesting one because I've been called up for jury duty more times than I could possibly count in my lifetime, But this was, the, and I've never been selected. But this was the first time I had gotten far enough into it that I got to find out enough about the case that this wasn't a jury trial. It was a jury sentencing. The guy had already pled guilty. And so this was the trial to decide his fate in terms of a sentence. Fascinating, huh? I'd never yeah, done that fun. before. Yeah, that's so going through the whole Vordire part where they uh, where the lawyers are asking you questions, like it's like a whole different experience than when they're trying to get people lined up for actually, uh, you know, judging the person guilty or not guilty. So that was interesting, interesting experience. I don't recommend it for anybody. Um, uh, all right, and then of course your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, the editor, founder of the Third Degree, of the podcast. It's Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I'm calling in from L.A., so if it sounds funny, that will be why. Okay, is this like your old bit where you just <laughs> like to make up a place you're calling in from when you're really in Arlington? No, I forgot that used to be a bit. No, no, this time legit, uh, I'm calling in from L.A. Yeah, Huntington Beach, more specifically. What are you doing? Uh, Buzz, are you are you selling out? No, <laughs> I'm working. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Someone actually paid to travel me to L.A. to work. It's amazing, I know. Are you shooting your own OnlyFans page? Yeah, no, I definitely don't. I have a Patreon already. I do not have an OnlyFans page. Maybe for a little extra money, Buzz, yeah, you know? I'm, I'm not in that part of L.A. I'm in a different part of L.A. Well, I hope whatever it is you're doing, I hope it is fun. Uh, at least I hope it's more fun than FC Dallas's trip to Portland uh, on Sunday night. Good Lord. Uh, after the uh, run of late, and I know, look, we just a few days ago talked about this team and we're like, okay, well, you know, things are okay. We uh, got that win against St. Louis and I know the Nashville thing, but we're feeling okay. But now I feel like collectively is our trending arrow pointing down again, Buzz? Yeah, this, this was a particularly bad performance. There have been some games late where they've lost and played fairly well and coach talked about opportunities created and XGs. Well, his quote after this game was, we didn't play well. And uh, everyone knows that. They know that. 
you know, there, there was some talk about how quickly the ball was or was not moving on turf that hadn't been watered and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, is that this was a craptastic lack of performance by SC Dallas across the board. They were terrible in pretty much every phase of the game except goalkeeping. Um, and, and, it, and it was just a flat, awful, terrible, every metric you want to use was bad. It was just bad. Buzz, I mean, uh, Dan, did you have any overriding thoughts you'd like to throw in there before we get into the nitty-gritty of it? Uh, I was uh, dodging storms on uh, Sunday night, so I only got to see the second half, and yeah, that was dog shit. It was weird because uh, it was one of those games where, you know, when your man of the match is your goalkeeper, you it generally is an indicator that things aren't going well, but at least we got to feel really good about Martin Paz again, Buzz. Yeah, he had a career-high seven saves. MLS career, that's all they care about in those records. Uh, MLS, anyway. So, yeah, he got absolutely peppered. Um, the one goal, there wasn't much he could do about it. But he was particularly good at the shot-stopping, which is always his strong point. But whether it was from range or was in close, he was fantastic. You know, he, he single-handedly, uh, maybe perhaps not single-handedly, I thought Sebastian Ibiaga was solid. But other than that, Martin Paz was on his own. Uh, and he pretty much single-handedly gave this team a shot at the game by keeping it a one-goal game when easily it could have been four or five by halftime. Uh, and he kept them in it, and he gave them a yeah. chance, and they were unable to capitalize because they had their XG was like 0.0001 or something. So there was not a lot going on for Dallas beyond Martin Paz. So I, we're going to get into the large kind of the overriding issue uh, here in a second, which is the injury situation and missing pieces uh, moving forward. But in this game, we continue that weird trend of, you know, this is a team that we all have to remember is essentially missing three of their starters in Leggett, uh, Areola, and the ever more growing mystery of Paxton Pomacall, which we can also talk about here in a bit. I guess, you know, playing the formation they played in the starting 11 that they did, Buzz, did you get the performance you expected, or should we have expected more out of this? Um, we should have expected more out of this. You know, the, the part of the problem is was in the sense that um, they, they had Giovanni Jesus at right back, who's not a great defensive defender, particularly on the road. And... Uh, there was just a passivity to FC Dallas. They were a lot of standing and watching and ball watching and not running and not moving. So Portland was jumping all their passes. And for the first 15 minutes, the possession was like 80% Portland to 20% Dallas. It was just absolutely brutal. And then Portland sort of ran out of a little bit of gas and sat back some. And the possession was still pretty, started to come more towards Dallas's favor. And then, of course, Portland scored and then they sat back even more. And in the second half, they sat back into a low block. Well, you know how this team can't break a low block down. So <laughs> in the first half, they didn't have any of the ball hardly, and, and Portland didn't really turn it over very much, and so this team couldn't rapidly play in transition. In the second half, they just sat there and let Dallas have the ball, and, and like to the tune of 58%, which is a, shows you how massively high the Dallas possession was, considering that at one point they were down 80-20. They rebounded all the way back to 58 that means they just had boatloads of the ball and they could do nothing with it. And part of the problem for me is the continued lack of influence of Alan Velasco and an attempt to get him out of his funk, presumably that's why. 
they flipped him to the right and put Obreon on the left. Well, that proceeded to disarm Obreon, and now Velasco was ineffective. And even when he went to his cut inside, he was on his wrong foot. So it was pretty much a disaster across the board in terms of the efficiency getting forward. Uh, your, their best player by far out of midfield was Facundo Cunyan, who led them on passes into the final third by a boatload, but then had like one pass into the penalty box. They just did not get themselves in anything remotely like a good scoring opportunity. It was terrible. So do you chalk this up as to the odds starting 11? Do you chalk it up just to being a road game in Portland uh, on a different surface? Is it just because they've played a lot of games, or is it a combination of all those things? It's all that stuff. It's the injuries. It's the it's the bench being more shallow now, so people are getting worn out more. There's been a bunch of midweek games. The, this is a place Dallas has won once in their entire history. Portland's just as bad when they come to Dallas. You know, this is a confluence of all those horrible things and the, and the desperate need for a break. Um, but, you know, even in all those contexts, it was still was worse than it should have been. It still was not getting the ball to their best player. It still is a completely ineffective Velasco. And I'm honestly out of ideas how to yeah. get him going. I'm not sure, Dan, if you have any ideas about how to get him going, because it's a mystery to me what is wrong with him, other than it, everything he's doing is not doing anything. I mean... Uh... It's not like Mauro Diaz, where it was uh, he needs a, an Argentine uh, friend to, uh, you know, to, to stave off the homesickness. I mean, he's he's got everything here. He's settled, supposedly healthy. Uh, yeah, he's just falling out of games. I get when I watch him play, this is the disappointing part because, uh, you know, what I'm seeing now, what is this, his second full season? Is that where we're at at this yeah. point? Yeah. Is I, as I feel like I'm seeing the same ineffectual problem, the, the same problems of being ineffectual, getting the ball into the box and, and beating defenders that alarmed me in the first few weeks or months in that half season he showed up. Didn't he show up in the middle of a season? Am I remember this correctly? No, it was the start of the season. Start he was of the just season. really effective for the first, ineffective for the first few months until he sort of found. Yeah, the I mean, he was amazing on that very first play, right? The Nash, the famous uh, yeah. "Hello Dallas, my name is Velasco" moment mm -hmm. against Nashville. But yeah. after that, we talked endlessly about, hey, he just doesn't seem like he can beat anybody. But of course, that'll get better with time. And now we're you know into this this uh, lengthy period of time with Buzz, and I just I don't see the improvements yeah well the last few games um he's continued to do the things that have made him positive you know you see the duels the take-ons the the high relatively high winning percentage of when he goes at players all those things are still there but he's not connecting remember the first half of the season we talked about how disconnected Obreon. well now that Obreon is connected velasco's become unconnected he's not making uh, good you know shot creating passes or or key passes into guys he when he's cutting inside to do that patented left foot shot he has is going to be blocked or he's firing it wide so guys kind of have a beat on him a little bit and perhaps with the other important pieces missing for dallas teams are able to more fo closely focus on him it could be as simple as that it could be just that he's now a key factor uh you know other than Ferreira, he's now a key factor and so he's kind of just getting marked out of games it could be that simple you know, or it could just be that he's been here for, you know, going on almost two years now and he's starting to get, you know, just sort of settled in and kind of complacent. Hopefully that's not it because 
you see the skill still happening. The effectiveness is what's missing. It's passes behind guys, passes slightly too heavy, shots a foot too wide instead of inside the post. They're outside the post. It's just, it's a small difference, but man, it really adds up. And it means that he's not doing anything for you. Dan, if you if somebody uh, was visiting you and said, hey, I haven't been paying all attention this season, what's uh, Dallas's story so far? What, what what story would you tell? Christ, why? Difficult question, aren't we? Uh, a team that has somehow underperformed and overperformed at the same time. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Absolutely defying logic. You know, somehow they're in fourth. No idea how. Um, especially after the off-season, you know, kind of pretty stagnant off-season. Uh, but the games themselves, as you know, it, you come away quite often feeling that there was a lot they left on the table. And I don't know. It's uh, it's it's one of the strangest seasons. I mean, this this season could be an entry in your list. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the famous list. It could. Yeah. And it and it and I'm and there's a part of me that feels like the fact that Dallas remains in fourth place despite this kind of weird, uh, confused feeling we have about the team probably says more about MLS as a league than it does Dallas the team, wouldn't you say, Buzz? Well, yeah, the West is just incredibly uh, chock full of parody. You know, there's there's really two to three elite teams that are above Dallas, LAFC, Seattle and St. Louis. You know, however you slice it, the the goal, the points per games on those teams and the offensive and the goal differential on those teams is big. Dallas is in that middle group, and where teams have a few goals above or a few goals below on the plus minus, and they're they're between one to two, you know, one to sorry, one to one point five goals per game, and there's like there's like ten teams that fall into that category. Now, because Dallas keeps games tight and has a relatively even, they're like plus two, they're just above even on plus minus, that gives them slightly more points than everybody else. It makes them slightly better than everybody else in that block. But Dallas, San Jose, Houston, Vancouver, Portland, Sporting Kansas City, Minnesota, and RSL and Austin are all between 1.1 and 1.4 points per game, 1.5 points per game. So it's like, it's literally like three-tenths of a point and 12 teams. So it's just... It's just stacked with parity, and Dallas has these tiny advantages because of the way they play, that defensive first mentality and keeping games really tight. That allows them to just get a few more points than some of these other teams, and really all those teams are basically equal. Uh, all right. Well, um, let's see. Anything else I wanted to talk about here? Uh, well, yes. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was going to say you skipped over the line where it says the dumbest tactic of all time and didn't ask me about Oh, that. I thought you already talked about that. No, no, I did not talk about the dumbest tactic of all time. Well, it was it was switching Obreon and Velasco. No. no? no, it wasn't. no. Oh, I saw. So I'm sorry, Buzz. Well, I saw the line in there, but yeah. when you mentioned that, I thought, well, that's obviously the dumbest thing you could nope. have done, and it blew up in your face. No. Nope. I mean, there was something dumber than that in the yep. Portland game? Yep. And it was the game before, too. Oh. So, Jesus Ferreira is a instinctually very smart player. He knows that when some other player comes into his space, that means that he needs to rotate out and cover. That's a very standard sort of thing, and Jesus recognizes it instinctively. However, what that means is, at the end of the game, when they tell Nikosi Tafare to go up and stand at the nine and knock down balls with his head for Jesus to jump onto and latch onto or to create chaos in the box, that Jesus instinctively 
recognizes that Tafari is in the nine spot and rotates back to cover his vacated center back spot. So two games ago he did it and went and played center back for 10 minutes. So what happened in this specific game was when Tafari came up to the front, uh, Jesus recognized instinctually that Tafari was occupying that space and rotated back to cover. Marco Farfan had shifted centrally. So for the last 12 minutes or so of the game, Jesus Ferreira played left back. So that's why I said it's the dumbest tactic in the world because he's the only one on this team that can score for shit. And he's playing left back for all of injury time and even a few minutes before that. It's just horrible. Like why the coach isn't screaming at him to get his tail up into the box is beyond me. The whole idea behind that tactic is to, is to take a risk and overload the box and fire balls up there and hope that Nikosa can knock him down and create some chaos and that Jesus can get on him. If Jesus is playing left back, he can't do that. It's horrible and it's dumb. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And why it's not being addressed is beyond me. I don't understand it. It's completely well, insane. I, I would, I would, uh, uh, I would offer up the uh, theory. Is it because Jesus probably is the best server of the long ball on the team? I, I'm not talking about like going up and taking free kicks or taking corners. He was still doing that. I'm talking about when they're in possession. Yeah. He's standing back there in a back four playing left back or they're defending, he's back there in a left four playing left back. No, it's I understand like, that. But I'm wondering if that's because they want him crossing balls in from deep because he's probably the best player on the team to do it. I, I'm not saying it's a smart idea. Yeah. Mind I mean, you. <laughs> maybe. But the other day when he did it, he was playing actually playing center back. It wasn't even left back. Weird. So it's yeah. like, I just don't understand. The whole idea is that there's an overload happening and an extra player happening, and you're trying to create chaos, not just have Tafari play nine. That's that's dumb. <laughs> I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I, I, I want to ask him about it, but not on a Zoom call with 15 other reporters. So eventually I'm going to get to the bottom of it because I, it, I spend the last 12 minutes of the game throwing crap at the television. It makes me so <laughs> mad. <laughs> I love the Im mental image of Buzz throwing things at his television because yeah. he's angry at Nico. Well, soft things, but nonetheless, uh, you know. Well. I do think that if, if in fact, there is no good reason for it, Buzz, I do think you're correct. That would be the dumbest oh, tactic of all time. God. Um, it's, it's probably not even the destruction. It's just Jesus' instincts that tell him, oh, there's a guy in my space. I'm going to cover. I'm going to rotate. I'm going to play, you know, total football. It's my turn yeah. to go back. You know, it's just, it's so awful. <laughs> it makes me mad. Dan, do you have a theory? No, just chaos. Just chaos. Sorry, I'm st I still can't go over the idea of Buzz throwing... Uh, stuffed animals and other stuffed objects at the TV. His socks. <laughs> yeah, I pull off a, so a piece of clothing at a time and throw it at the television. I end up in my tidy whities by, by the end of the Portland yeah. game, you were a naked man. Well, I was at a friend's at apartment, television. so I, I wouldn't do that but out here oh, in L.A. Okay. But, uh, you know. Oh, nobody'd care. Yeah, well, my friend <laughs> would care. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you, you you mentioned this uh, earlier, and clearly this is the headline problem for Dallas, which is its injury situation related to key players. And the, and the next game coming up against Austin, which isn't this weekend. Dallas doesn't play again until next Wednesday, which is the road trip to Austin. And yes, Copa Tejas fans, this one actually counts. Um, so uh, that's great additional news to what we're about to talk about, which is... Uh, on top of the injury situation with Legette and Areola, the curious case of Paxton Pomacall, now Jimenez is hurt again? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, Jimenez is hurt again, and Obreon is now yellow card suspended. Yeah, Obreon got a fifth yellow card, so he's out for this game. And we don't know for sure yet, but coach in the post game, coach said probably Jesus will be out. So he was just basing that on whatever report he got in the locker room that it pretty much Jesus was Jesus Jimenez. I need to yeah. clarify that Jimenez yeah. is probably going to be out, and there's a chance maybe that Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola might be back, but there's no promises of that. They're both the coach said might get them back, so let's call them questionable at best. So there is a scenario when you could look at the team you had this weekend, take out Jimenez and Obreon, and now go try and play. You might not get back Legette and Areola, potentially. Yeah. So you might have to field well, the shortest and thinnest team I've ever seen. Well, here's the other thing. Even if Legette and Areola come back, based on the product so far this season, which version of Sebastian mm-hmm. and Paul are you going to get? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and they both, you know, whether they could even start or not is up in the air because, you know, this coach doesn't like to throw guys in the starting lineup the first game they're back. Now, because they have this, they had the first part of this week off and they were going to train today for the first time. So if either one of those guys was allowed to come in today and train full out, you might be looking at a full week of training and maybe Coach will feel good about them being in the lineup. But normally he doesn't like to have that, you know, but it just might be, one of these cases where they're they're so thin and so desperate for bodies, yeah. you know, because otherwise you're you're looking at starting some guys that have you know twenty minutes in their entire MLS career that might have to start. So hold on a second, because this is just dawning on me now, and this has maybe been obvious to you and Dan, and I'm just an idiot. But the Austin game is next Wednesday, the twenty first. Yeah, Jesus Ferrer gets called up, and he won't be available for Austin either, will he? No, that's correct. He's leaving on the 20th, according to FC Dallas. Unless they change something, he'll be gone. Yeah. So you're looking at no Jesus, no Jimenez, no Obreon, maybe no Legette, no Areola, for sure no Paxton. You know, no Imatumamasi. You know, it's, you're, you're missing just massive, massive chunks that's, of You just named lineup. seven players, did you not? Yeah, that are star- starters. Starters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if essentially you you can you you could just take the roster from the game you just had, right? Which we just talked about was not a particularly good performance. You can take out Jimenez, you can take out Obreon, and you can take out Jesus. So you're left with people having to start at wing or at nine that are like that have played less than sixty minutes in MLS. You're talking about Milado, you're talking about Camungo, you know, they're gonna have to play. You're talking about Herbert Indele, maybe the rookie that's played a tiny bit of minutes. You know, Norris probably not because you have Surreal and Facundo still available. But and isn't Camungo called up to his national team too? Oh my gosh, that's right, he is. He's going to Tanzania. I totally <laughs> forgot. Oh lordy! Wow. Wait, are they even going to have eighteen players? Uh, no, no, they, they uh, no way because they only had they only had uh, nineteen last game, and you just named like four more players that are gone. Yeah, so. because here's my question. Because the thing to keep a note on on the schedule is they play the game on the 21st, and then they're off until Saturday, July the 1st. They get a good little stretch of break because then they play three games in seven days. They play Saturday, July 1st. Then they've got the July 4th game at home against D.C., the July 1st games against LAFC. And then they on the road, and they have to go to elevation uh, against the Rapids on the 8th. 
Yeah, the the Kamungo thing doesn't say when he's leaving, but the the game Tanzania is playing is on the 18th. So it's you know if if maybe he's back by then. Maybe I mean to to get back by the 21st, maybe. But would he go for just all the way down there for one game? Would they not play like something else potentially a scrimmage or something? So. If you're lucky, maybe he's going to get back. But it's not like Bernard Camungo is like the guy that's going to make this work. You know, it's it's going to be nicer than, you know, some of the other options. But you're already looking at basically Endele starting on the right wing with uh, uh, Velasco on the left and probably Mulatto up top. Because remember, your other nine, um, Tariq Scott is out for the year too. So, you know, you're left with very little options. You know, then, then you, you might be short down to like 14 players on the bench, and even if you include a second keeper among that. Jesus Criminy. That's going to yeah. be fascinating. And of course, it happens to get be against Austin in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Which takes me to this question, Buzz. Does anybody know what's going on with Paxton Pomacall? I know we talked about this last week, and I expressed my concern that this felt like a Jacob deGrom uh, surprise that we were headed for. Is there any more news on Paxton's situation? None, uh, none at all. Um, and isn't that worry? Doesn't that just make yeah. it seem all the more worrisome? Well, as we said last week, when the heat coach was asked about injuries, he just he just mentioned Legette and Ariola as being the only two that might be back. You know, and sort of glossed over everybody else, and nobody followed up with like, what about Paxton specifically? You know, he just didn't include him. So I'm sure there'll be a conference call with coach at the latter part of this week or perhaps early next week before the game, probably early next week now that I say that. So maybe we'll be able to dig a little bit about Paxton out of him then, but, um, you know, or if I can go to training early part of next week, if some of it's open, well, it won't be now that I say that because the game is on Wednesday. So we'll be stuck with a conference call. So hopefully we can find out a little bit more um, because you're right. It is a mystery. Uh, They're not being super open these days, this under this current regime with injuries. They put mm-hmm. they put the injury in the release, but they don't uh, the uh, in the disciplinary report in the player availability report, but they don't put any time frames in there, and they're not volunteering those time frames out in the open, you know, which is fine. It's not they don't have to. It's not their job to do that, you know. If they had surgery or something, then they would. But you know, short of that, they're just out. They're out till they're, we say they're not out, you know. So we're we're kind of at the mercy of what they'll tell us, and right now they're not really volunteering. So we'll all right, see. so let's. Let's let's talk about Austin uh, roster a little bit more clearly because I think we were just kind of like brainstorming that here for a second. So we're yeah. going to assume Paz is going to start. Yeah, you've got three, all three center backs available to you. So pick whichever two you want at that particular. I'm assuming Farfan's healthy and ready to go. He could play. Sure. Yep. Uh, Giovane Jesus. Yep. I'm assuming is going to start on the right. Probably, probably unless you go the Ibiaga right back thing, but I would if they're going to do that on the road, maybe possibly, but with time off, probably not. Okay, so now where you're running into it, so in the uh, middle of the field, you got Quinon and Surio. They're both good to go, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. So do you assume at this point that based on what you have left over, because you don't have Obreon, you don't have Jimenez, and you don't have Ferreira, are you going to yeah. play a four four two? I don't know, man. You know, you have basically you have Mulatto. Maybe Camungo's walking off of a plane for a 28 plus hour flight, which isn't great. Sam Junka can play left wing. You know, if you play the four four two, then right. he's good at a left wing. And then maybe you can bring in Endele at the on the right wing, you know, with Jesus behind him. And then you have a Mulatto Velasco front two, you know, and then. Are there any North Texas players that could get called up? 
Well, in order to call the player, you basically have to sign them on an emergency loan. Um, there's not really any any strikers that could help you. Um, Hope Camungo would be the closest. He's a wing, but he's been hurt, so I haven't seen him back healthy yet. In the midfield, you have an eight, um, Andre Costa, who's relatively helpful in terms of trying to play at this level. He could probably handle it. Uh, really, that's about it. Carl Sante could come up, but he's a six. So that doesn't help you. You got two of those. You don't need him. And you don't really need any center backs or outside backs. You know, basically, you're looking at Hope Camungo and uh, who's been hurt, and Andre Costa, who's an eight. So that that might be the only one, the only two really that could be helpful. Uh, otherwise, you know, the, the guys that are down there have some potential, and but none of them are really like ready to be impactful or even start or play like a chunk of an MLS game. Those two things are different. You really only have guys like uh, those two guys that have been in first team training enough that you could say, okay, I can put you in for 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a big giant mess there, Buzz. Yeah, it really is a complete disaster of uh, roster proportions. This is where you're getting bit a little bit by Coach Nico's desire to run this thinner, shorter roster. Um, you know, it's entirely likely you'll end up putting two keepers on the bench just because you have Antonio Carrera. You might as well put him on the bench. You know, since Austin's not that far away, you know, you can take him down there with you. You know, not can that you he, could ever really use him, but you might as well put him on there just in He's kind of tall. Could you throw him up in the box and ask him to play post-up? <laughs> yeah, sure. Target striker? His, his feet are decent for a keeper, you know. <laughs> he can run a little bit, so, you know. Uh, so, uh, does that leave Dallas with an emergency sign? Oh, no. They're going to blow $3 million on Jersey Outdoor, aren't they? <laughs> I saw that. They're uh, the revs are buying him out or something and releasing him. Supposedly, uh, I, no. I saw someone mention it earlier about uh, oh yeah, that'd be a good sign. That might be a good signing for FC Dallas. And then it occurred to me, he makes the same money as Frank O'Hara <sighs> for pretty much the same outfit, and he's a year younger. Well, he's only getting signed to another MLS deal if he takes a big, giant fart and pay cut, right? Yeah, but remember yeah. that you know they're 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 trying to add at least one player this summer already. That's going to be like a Tam sort of signing, which is a full you know DP chunk number. You know this full six twenty five six fifty whatever it is. If you want to do Alcidor on top of that, no matter how much of a pay cut he takes, it's still going to be at least that much, I would think, right? And keep in mind that at with Jimenez and Jesus, you already have two point nine million dollars at, at the nine position. So, are you really going to go spend another, you know, six hundred thousand on a guy that maybe is going to play like three games while Jesus is gone, and then what? And Alcidor is going to want probably a multi-year deal, don't you think? Yeah. So, like, Wait. go ahead. Dan. You got you got to think as well. You know, if he were to take that bigger pay cut, and I mean, right now he's on two point nine, so that is a significant. That would be a significant pay cut. It would be a lengthy negotiation. You know, emergencies come with a premium. So, uh, you know, by the time that actually Dallas could even negotiate something, Jesus is probably back. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't think, I just think in a cap world, it doesn't make any sense because it's not like he's going to take a half year deal. Like Alcidor's next deal is his last deal, right? So he's going to want like 
a couple of seasons security, I would think. Right. right. So, and he's not going to be cheap. I mean, even if you don't, even if you get him to not take a DP deal, it's still going to be damn near the full DP cap hit, you know, of that 650 or whatever it is, you know. And the, the, the opening round of the Gold Cup ends July 2nd. If he makes it all the way to the final, you know, you're looking the at fifteenth or sixteenth or something like that. Yeah, the fifteenth is the the la- the he would miss that game, so he would end up missing uh, the LAFC. He could theoretically miss the LAFC game July first, the DC game on July fourth, the Colorado Rapids game on July eighth, and Seattle on July fifteenth. If the if the US makes it all the way to the final, relatively good chance US is going to make it to the semi or the final, right? right. So we, we'd yeah. be looking at a you know second week of July, which is not that far away. Except that that's like five games, you know. So it's not it's not easy. Thankfully, Dallas has a relatively light part of their schedule in the sense that they have like a whole week off, you know. Yeah. Well, and then he turns around and they got that uh, that whole new thing, the Leeds Cup, and they got that Charlotte game on the twenty first, and then the Nacoxa game on the twenty fifth. Yeah, Jesus will come back just in time for the Leeds Cup to happen. Yeah. Hopefully, you know? he's healthy. Yeah. Hopefully. He doesn't get hurt. Oh my God, <laughs> or doesn't get sold. I was. I, I'm sitting here pondering in my head. If I sound distracted, it's because I'm trying to think in my head. Has Dallas ever had an injury situation this chronic? This I'm no. I'm sure in the course of twenty something years, there has in fact been an injury crisis equal, if not greater than this. I just can't think of one off the top of my head. There have been some that have where they've actually had to get emergency players, usually a goalkeeper and that kind of thing. But you know, the secondary transfer window is, for most leagues starts in early July. So in a crazy world where somebody comes in with twelve million dollars for Jesus, he may never play for this club again. Jimenez? No, Jesus Ferreira. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Oh, if another club comes yeah. in for, yeah. The, yeah. The, the transfer window, the outbound window is what matters is the incoming window. <laughs> so if he's going to Spain or Italy or England, he'll those transfers will happen in like the first or second or third week of July. So, so if, if the U.S. goes all the way to the Gold Cup final, he'll be missing through July 15th. So in a world where they sell Jesus this summer, I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying in that world, Jesus won't play for this club again. Yeah, his last game is that crap game in Portland. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so sad. Well, he, he says he has unfinished business here. He talks about his dad all the time. He says he's not in a hurry. He's got yeah. a couple years left on his deal. It's not super likely he's moving this summer. But stranger things have happened. Dude, that dude's killing it. I mean, if he goes and crushes it in the Gold Cup or something, you know, that yeah. could be the thing that pushes something over the line. You never know. I'm just saying it's not it's – not, the chance that he sold this summer isn't zero, and so the chance that he's played his last game for FC Dallas is also not zero, which is awful. Yeah, but. wow. Uh, that is crazy. All right, so that game against Portland, again, is not this weekend. It is next week uh, on Wednesday Austin. night in, in Austin. I'm sorry. I, I, the, he last played in Portland. They yeah, play in Austin next. It's <laughs> 7.30. On the Apple TV, for those traveling down there, good luck, be safe, uh, come home safe. Uh, and it is not one of the free games, by the way, at the Q2 Stadium. Uh, Dan, have you been to Austin? That is such a fun game to go to. Have you been to an Austin game yet, Dan? I went to the playoff game. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yep. Last time I was there, I had to rescue Peter and Andy. 
That's right. You did. In fact, uh, my wife and I drove down to Austin last weekend to go see a show, and I, I pointed out the famous location of the double flat rental car tires. Um, is is and- your rental car still there? <laughs> no, it was they, <laughs> mysteriously it was missing because they told me to leave the key in it way back then. Um, yes, and uh, so thank you again, Buzz, for you and Amy picking us up and saving us so that we could go to that game that night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, okay, let's talk about some other things here. Let me run back to Buzz's famously red crayon run sheet. And where's the list? Oh, here it is. Um, so uh, you mentioned this whole thing about Ferreira and, oh my God. you know, and the chance that maybe, and I, and I, the reason why I think this is interesting because I just, before we started recording, I was telling you guys, there was something I had seen today that I wanted to discuss. And it just dawned on me what that issue was. I remembered was that, and Dan, you may know more about this than I do. But today, or within the last day or so, apparently they announced some changes uh, over in England that have some significant implications for uh, American players getting deals over in England because they've changed and expanded the rules of how Premier League clubs, championship clubs, and and clubs in League 1 and 2 can get players... Uh, signed that didn't meet the previous visa criteria. Are you aware of these changes? Uh, I've seen a little bit about it. I haven't really looked too much into detail. Um, but effectively, yeah, it's, uh, they moved to a points-based system uh, a few, a couple of years back, whereby there's a, um, for each sport a set criteria, and with soccer, it's. Uh, you know, if you play in this league, you have to play X number of uh, X percent of of your team's games to acquire however many points. Um, then you get points for national team duty for the percentage of games you play, which, uh, you know, for any uh, U.S. international is kind of difficult because the U.S. kind of runs that split squad deal instead of, you know, having... having uh, um, a mass of players that are in 100% of the rosters. Um, effectively, uh, I remember looking at it a while back, and it was like when Brian Reynolds left FC Dallas, he wasn't qualified to go to England. When Reggie Cannon left FC Dallas, he wouldn't have qualified to go to England. Um, you know, they, they kind of made it from a very open system to a very difficult system to to breach unless you're an established top star um you know playing in a decent domestic league already and and doing well for your national team uh what they've done is uh now they're talking about having four exceptions per club um in the premier league and then uh i think it's two uh it goes down to like two and uh for league one and league two yeah. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, Luton's just come into a good bit of money. Maybe we'll shop MLS. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, this is the kind of rule change that would have changed things for Reggie or Brian Reynolds in theory. Um, but it's the opening up of the League One and Two that I think gets interesting because now American players that never had a chance to go play over in England that are, you know, running around USLC maybe USL one um, may have a shot to go get a deal over in England at this point. So that's, uh, that's, or maybe, you know, somebody that's playing like on uh, North Texas. 
USL one would be kind of difficult, but yeah, the, the higher end USL championship for sure. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's been players that have made a decent living playing in football league before. You and Holden um, played a long time for Barry, I think. Um, so, but you know, before he uh, retired and came back over to Texas, so yeah, be, you know, more avenues to better. Okay, um, and then also related to that, Bogert wrote an article today for The Athletic uh, talking about uh, listing off a whole bunch of MLS players that may be getting an, getting the eye buzz, and he had a surprise. He had three players in that list for Dallas. From FC Dallas, yeah. Well, he mentioned Jesus uh, without anything we didn't already know, which was, A, he's really good, and B, teams in Spain and Italy are watching him. Well, we knew that already. That's not particularly profound. Uh, it is true that, yes, he's a player that could potentially move and I would expect eventually to move. The question is just how long does he want to stay here at MLS and how, how much unfinished business does he have? Jesus has become a transcendent player. He's become a game-changing player. This is the kind of player that can single-handedly win games. So if you can get hot at the right time, maybe he can do some great things for you in the playoffs. It's the kind of guy that if you want to compete at the top of the league, you have to keep. You know, he's a, he's now equivalent in terms of the, what he can do in a game to people like Carlos Vela and such. You know, Dallas really has a player like that. I remember how one of the reasons Oscar left was lack of a nine that could score at this kind of rate, and now we have one. And to watch on a day to day basis, how long can Dallas keep him? That's the key. Uh, the second player they listed was Justin Che, but we've talked about that. We've now become more and more convinced that Justin Che won't be coming back here. He's coming back here on paper, but Really, the window, again, is about to... The U-20s have been eliminated, and we have not seen Justin Jay, right? For all I know, he's in training today, but I think it's far more likely that he won't actually report back here. That mm. I think they already have something lined up or in discussions or getting in negotiations. You know, uh, Bogart just talked about there are teams interested in him. Well, yeah, of course there are. And I think Dallas is more interested in the money than they are in Justin Jay because he won't be able to help them instantly. And then the third player they listed much to my surprise, and really it should not have been surprised, is Martin Paz. That Martin Paz is playing at a point that people are noticing, and you have to assume that eventually Martin Paz and his European girlfriend will want to go back to Europe. That's not a surprise at all. You know, particularly because he's not exactly getting paid a million bucks. He's getting paid a relatively small number, you know, for a guy that's playing like he's playing. So those are the three he listed. You know, Che is the one I actually expect to leave this summer. Um, with the others potentially down the line in another season or so, depending on how well they keep performing. A uh, side note, uh, Instagram will tell you that Martin Paz's uh, supermodel girlfriend spends most of her time in Europe anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they have, he has a nice place in Dallas this weekend. He's in L.A., you know, doing some L.A.-type things. So I think he was at the Open, which is out there this week. But, you know, a guy that's playing like that with a with the European pedigree and passport and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure that he looked at this as a stepping stone to get back into a higher level of play. You know, you could argue that this is a higher level of play than Utrecht. I think you can argue that thing that pretty convincingly. So for him, it's probably a stepping stone. And I'm sure he has his eyes on a bigger prize than this. And uh, now he wasn't listed or mentioned in this article, but what is the current standing? Have you heard any updates on Dante Seeley? None. Uh, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, Celia's contract would have ended. Well, sorry. And I should say this of Justin Shea, too. Both of those players, their contracts end at the end of June. So even though. With Celia, Dallas. With, no, their loans. 
Oh, their loans. Their loans ended, okay. ended the end of June. But Hoffenheim already said Sealy was going to report back to Dallas after the U20 World Cup. Well, the U.S. got eliminated and the U20 World Cup's over. So Justin probably will do whatever until he probably can't report until July 1st, I guess, technically, unless they do some crazy voiding of his loan deal at the last second or something. Well, that sounds stupid. So you wouldn't expect either of those guys to actually be showing up till the early July. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think Che ever will. And with, with Sealy, there's room to stick him on the developmental roster, but I actually think it's more likely that they'll just loan him to North Texas because he'll need to rebuild him. Well, I would say rebuild, but he doesn't have any history with this coach. So he'll need to work his way into this coach's rotation. Well, is he going to walk in the door and, and displace Camungo out of here? You know, or what Herbert Indelay's done lately? I don't know, man. You're going to have to go to North Texas and probably play a little bit and let the coach get some tape on you, you know, let him see you in person, more importantly. And, and then maybe you're back into the FC Dallas practices mm-hmm. and back into the FC Dallas mix. I wouldn't expect him to right away be on the FC Dallas bench come July, unless, of course, they continue to have these insane injury problems, because then you would, because he's actually under contract, you know, versus most of the other North Texas guys are not. They're under North Texas contract, not FC Dallas contract, you know. But Camungo, you know, and Endelay are both on the first team roster, so you got, he's going to be fairly deep down that list. You know, even if he shows up and, and is put on that MLS roster, it's still, you know, not 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 a ton of room in the rotation, especially if guys get healthy. Yeah, this can be a weird stretch, man. This is a this is a tough one for everybody involved uh, with the club in terms of injuries and mystery and uh, just call ups and everything. I mean, this really has turned out to be the worst case scenario because I feel like at the beginning of the season, one of our big talking points of concern was just the thinness of the roster and what happens when people get call ups. We hadn't even really thought about the fact what happened if you got call ups and an injury bug. Uh, And that's really where the club finds itself at this point. Well, Coach Nico really wanted this thin roster, and he got it. And last year he didn't get bit by injuries, but this year he is. You know, in a European context, you just bring up U23 guys. Well, that that ain't so easy here. All right. So So when you say Nico wanted a thin roster, what that sounds like to me is um, uh, Dan and, um, oh, God. Arizona. Uh, Zanata, yeah. we're like, hey, we've got these guys ready to buy for you. And Nico's like, no, 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 I don't need those guys. No. Just going to save your pennies, Dan Hunt. We don't well, need an extra player here or there. What he wanted, what he didn't want was extra players standing around in training. So basically, like, he wants, you know, right at or just above a 22-man practice setup. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of extra guys here and there that are young players that you can send out to North Texas to play and then bring them back if you need them. Those are fine. What he didn't want was the four or five extra guys like your Khalil's or your Benny's guys that are never, you know, your Nico Hernandez is these extra players that aren't contributing to your rotation and don't really go down very well anymore because they outplay North Texas. So he he effectively wanted a 25 or 26 man roster. He specifically referenced to me, like in Spain, a 26 man senior roster. You know, mm-hmm. you might have a couple of guys extra, but really it's just above a 22-man thing. So you're not having to shuffle guys in and out all the time. You know, if you need a guy, you bring them up. You know, and so some of that is the extra guys are going to be guys that can go down. You know, he just didn't want these dead weights hanging around. It, end, it means that you ended up with a senior roster that is short in this particular injury situation. You're short 
guys that can actually play at this level. You know, you've seen Nolan trying to do well. You get a recall Colin Smith, which is not something you really wanted to do. You're having to roll out Endelay, who's still trying to prove himself at North Texas, let alone with the first team. You know, Bernie's was starting to break in in minutes, but you don't really want to start that guy yet. That's a little bit more jump than he'd like to do, for example. So, you know, not quite what he had in mind, I would imagine. I saw Kenny Cooper hit a banger <laughs> in that 7v7 tournament. You think there's any... Oh, never mind. No. <laughs> no. You already used that joke once. Yeah. I did? Yeah. Oh, no, that's how desperate we are. I'm reusing yeah. bad jokes. <laughs> Cooper's in the, his Peter Lucene phase, which is like slower than dirt. <laughs> he, I mean, he'd be faster than you and I, but he would not be up for MLS. Uh, you remember yeah. that, like, I think it was two years ago now, maybe in Lucci's last year, Kenny made one final run at the Dallas roster. He came out legit, got fit, came out and did like two weeks in Dallas training, and it was just like, Hey, Kenny, we love you, bro, but it's just not there anymore. So, this is not working. That was, that was two years ago. So Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, very, very good. All right, uh, Buzz, will you allow me a little leeway to uh, go on a, a, a very short tirade? Very yeah. Quickly. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. even here call it tirade. Maybe it's preaching. Maybe Ted I'm going to get a preachy here for a second. Yeah, Ted Talk. Uh, earlier this week, you may have heard the news that The Athletic had a downsizing in writers and one of the people that uh lost their gig out of that was my friend bob sturm who is the big wig afternoon guy the number one radio show in dallas fort worth with a massive 15 share congratulations yeah. corby bob and dave friend of uh, the third their, degree yes the friend of the third degree um uh some historic rating those guys are turning but he lost his athletic gig and i thought that was interesting because Bob was writing, you know, lengthy, very niche articles specifically about the Cowboys that you would think would generate a lot of traffic. Um, and, and I think this highlights this thing that I think all of us are aware of, that sports media has turned into this incredibly difficult business to be in. And the reason why I bring all this up is to remind people listening to this podcast, because the podcast is free, and there's certainly a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are subscribers to Buzz's Patreon and uh, you know donate a certain amount of money to Buzz every month to pay for his Patreon. But the reason why this is all important and relates to Buzz is that uh, sites like The Athletic and there are other soccer-specific sites that are struggling. I don't want to name them in particular uh, financially because trying to do this as an entity, as a real business, is almost impossible to do these days. And it highlights the real true value of what Buzz Carrick does for those of you that like or love or care or passionate about FC Dallas, because there are very few things in the soccer world where you can get that kind of coverage that Buzz uh, provides. So the reason why I'm saying all this once again is that if you do listen to this podcast and you consume Buzz's content either for social media or through his website, please consider donating even the tiniest amount of money every month to Buzz. It just goes to Buzz and helps pay for him to continue to live a lifestyle that allows him to do this uh, because that's the value in it because you're probably never, ever going to get it from any other kind of mainstream sports outlet. Well, thank you, Peter. Yeah, this thing, even with the support I get, which is great and fabulous, is a long way from being a business, let alone being able to support myself 
Um, Hence why you're in L.A. right now, yeah, having to do this on your phone versus the <laughs> awesome sound quality that we do it typically on yeah. week in and week out. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Certainly, you know, your advice and, and when we had these conversations about leaving the Dallas Morning News, you know, the paywall was the biggest majority of why we did it. You know, and the lack of support we were getting, not that they weren't harsh or anything, but not particularly getting a lot of support from them, you know, and, and wanting to be able to get our my work, your work, you know, Dan's work out to, and the other people that contributed to us, it's not just us three, out to a wider audience. Uh, we've been able to do that by not having a paywall on the website, not having a subscription to the podcasts. You know, they are free, and if, and if you do, it's what I call the PBS method, if you do like what I do and what we do, you know, you can support us with whatever minimum or maximum amount you'd like to do. All of it's welcome, and there is a little bonus content if you do, so um, hopefully everybody likes what we're doing. So thank you for bringing that up. My pleasure. My old friend, absolutely. All right, anything else that we need to touch on here uh, in this episode before we all go nighty-night? Well, the Academy playoffs start this weekend. Um, there's no, they're all here in Dallas. So there's no U13 and U14 playoffs, but everybody from U15 up is here for the playoffs and for the showcase games. So if you want to go watch the, the, the Dallas 16s and the 19s are actually in the playoff bracket. The 15s and the 17s are in the showcase bracket. So you can go watch them, or you can watch any of the other excellent academies that are all going to be here. There'll be some really, really good academy playoff games because th this is the MLS Academy Championships, MLS Academy Cup uh, playoffs. You know that are going to be here for the next week or whatever it is or two. Um, they start this weekend, and some of them are being streamed, and so you can watch them there, or you can go out. I doubt there's going to be a charge. It'll be like the Dallas Cup. You can just walk up. They're at MoneyGram and Toyota, and they'll be. Just boatloads of really, really good academies we're playing this weekend, including SC Dallas and many of those games. And you've uh, written all that schedule and everything on the website. Schedules, the schedule of the FC Dallas games are on the blog, and there's a link to the MLS website where you can look up the, the bracket schedule for all the teams that are playing. And, and if there's any club you want to go find, they're all listed on there, all the games, some their questions and their times. And so if you want more than Dallas, you can go to the MLS Next website, and, and I list the Dallas games on the on the, my blog. All right, Our blog. excellent. Very good. The Degree the Podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop Soccer90.com for all your soccer gear, FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, and U.S. National Team gear. they got everything in MLS, all that new, awesome gear from around the league. Get that you know, messy inner Miami jersey you've always wanted for the last two weeks. <laughs> Soccer90.com, use code Third Degree at checkout, 20% off. You want it, they got it. Some exclusions do apply. Very good. All right. Awesome. That will do it for this evening. Dan, again, thank you for showing up and supporting the kick around during our live broadcast the other day. Uh, and it was great to see your lovely bride. Thanks for putting it on. That was a lot of fun. We'll say splendid time. And Buzz, I hope you have a good, safe travel and uh, uh, continued excellent weather out there in L.A. this week. Oh, thank you, man. I'm sorry I missed your uh, Champions League thing. It would have been fun. No worries. Uh, it was, uh, well, we'll get another opportunity to do that uh, sometime, I hope, soon. And uh, thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan, for listening to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. And we will speak to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Buy some T-shirts and stuff. Third Degree. The third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast.